And uh, so I'm excited for this morning. Are you ready for today? Hallelujah. Well, I believe I have a message for us. And every year at the beginning of the year, we try to give you a little update on where we are as a church, what God's done in the past. And I'll cover that with you in a few moments. But I want to start out because I really feel like the Lord's given us a word for uh, this year, just of expectation, not so much a theme, but it really is tied into the gospel and what the gospel stands for. And uh, that is just this, that I'm looking for and expecting renewal and restoration in 2019. I don't know what you're looking for, but I'm looking for and expecting renewal and restoration in 2019. And in a few moments when we get inside the outline, we're going to read Titus chapter 3 and verses 3 through 7. But I just want to give you this thought this morning because renewal and restoration is the hope of the gospel. Our hope. Everything God gives us is new. We are born again. That is renewal. Amen? And then God restores everything that is lost to our life. And so part of our salvation is that we have every right to expect renewal and restoration. If anybody be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. It is a complete transformation of renewal in our life. And then in that, God begins to restore us everything that has been lost that's handed down to us from Adam. Thank God for Adam. We came in the world by him. But thank God for Jesus who redeemed us from the fall. Amen? And so in that, we're walking in this great renewal and restoration. They promised that is to us. So follow with me, if you would, this morning. There's a message that is woven throughout the Gospels and their account of the life of Christ that appears again and again. We see Jesus suffering to bring about renewal and restoration. When you watch the life of Christ, the Bible says that Jesus even left his place in glory to come to where we are. He gave up his inheritance so that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Amen? So you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So Jesus gives up. He denies himself. He humbles himself. He becomes obedient unto death just for the fact that he can bring renewal and restoration into our life by partnering in our suffering. Think about it. Demon possessions, leprosy, blindness, prostitution, poverty, even death. The scenes change. But the lives and the lives change, but the work of Jesus remains the same. Jesus enters our suffering to bring about renewal. He restores children to parents who intercede on their behalf. We have the Syrophoenician woman. We have uh, others that come. We have Jairus that come. My daughter is dying. My great daughter is vexed. My daughter is tormented. And they intercede. And Jesus restores children to their parents and enters their suffering and brings about restoration. He interrupts a funeral procession to a, restore a son to a mother. He answers the request of a master for a servant and restores his help. He delivers a woman in church who has been oppressed for 18 years to perfect health. He heals a withered hand and open blind eyes and makes the lame to walk. He restored dignity through forgiveness to a tax collector named Jairus and to a woman caught in adultery. And the list, as we know, is unending. Time and time again, he brought renewal and restoration into the lives of those he came to seek and to save. I love that in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, speaking about Jairus. And here he is, a man who had been 
caught up in, in the culture of his day. He's a tax collector, taking revenue away from his own people. He's kind of the scourge uh, of the society in their eyes. And yet Jesus says, that's who I've come for. I've come to seek and to save the law. And he brings renewal and restoration back into that man's life. Hear me this morning. Everyone has experienced suffering of some fashion in their life. We live in a lost and fallen world that inflicts suffering indiscriminately upon the innocent and the unexpecting. Think about it. Words spoken in anger that go too deep. An illness that medicine cannot cure. A memory of abandonment or abuse that will not go away. And we have found nothing in this life that can anesthetize the pain of the memory. Many times people that are bound in addiction are bound there because they're trying to anesthetize themselves, to inoculate themselves, to remove themselves from the pain of negative experiences in their life. But nothing that they take lasts long enough to hold on and to carry through. So they need another fix and a bigger fix and a bigger fix. But what they really need is renewal and restoration. And then we have the suddenlies of tragedy and loss that leave us with empty hearts and answerless questions. Many times we ask questions that we'll never have an answer to this side of knowing all things. Could you say amen? So sometimes we just need to let those things go. See, hear me this morning. It is into this suffering that Jesus came. To those he found bound and wounded by this life, lost in wandering, a sheep without a shepherd, the Bible declares, being preyed upon by the wolves of oppression, and being held in servitude by the taskmaster of this world to their sin. No one else may ever truly know, excuse me, no one else may ever truly know the road that you walk upon. Yet in this life's smallest scenes and most tragic ordeals, we are not alone. How many are glad that Jesus walks with us? Amen. I'm glad that he walks with us. You see, Christ has come to renew your life daily and richly with, his, with the wonder of his love through the power of his grace. All we have to do is believe that He loves us and receive by faith His forgiveness, restoration, and renewal in our life. Every account you read in the Bible where people came to Jesus, they, they, they heard about Him and it stirred their faith. And, and His response many times was, your faith has made you whole. And when we truly believe that God has come to enter into our world, to partake with us in our suffering, to renew us and deliver us from that, then by faith, faith we reach out to him are you listening to me and then we receive in our life a life of renewal think about it and and so uh let me go back to this play that and and renewal in our life the prodigal son teaches us the lesson that god's love has the first and the last word how many are glad about that God's love always has the first and the last word in our life. And in that story, in one moment, a lifetime of regret met an eternity of love. Think about it. The father's love brought new life to the story of a lost son. You see, God's love is renewing because it depend upon what, doesn't depend upon what we say or do, but on what Jesus said and did for us. Jesus died under the tragedy of our sin so that he might rise and create new life for us in himself. A life of renewal and restoration. 
I am amazed at God's renewal in our life. Last year marked 40 years. December marked 40 years of giving my life to the Lord. I'm amazed at the renewal and the restoration. When I got saved, I didn't think my life had any value or any purpose. And God restores us and renews our purpose and our value. Can you say amen? So thankful for that. Amen. See, we all carry burdens of regret, words, actions, you name it, we've done it. However, God's love brings renewal and restoration to our regrets. How many are thankful for that? I'm glad that His love brings renewal and restoration into our regret. Titus chapter 3, here it is. The scripture that we're building this off of. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. How many could just say amen in agreement, being honest in church? I mean, that's where we were. Before Christ, we all were there. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Most of the time, we have too high of an opinion of ourselves. Amen. And that keeps us blocked off from some of the things of God. But look at this. But when. Somebody say, but when. I love it. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appear, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration. So important. And renewing of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. How many just hope you're in somebody's wheel that you don't know anything about? How many hope that you're a secret heir and someday that'll just manifest in your life? How you been? Glory to God. I wasn't expecting that. But the Bible says that you are an heir with God. And you've been made a joint heirs with Him. And you are a joint inheritance of all of His riches in glory. Amen. God has renewed us as sons and daughters into the family of God. We've been brought in by the Spirit of adoption. And we have an equal share with our brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So you're a full joint heir, praise the Lord. So think about this. The word regeneration there means a new genesis, or meaning restored to original intent. Being restored to original intent. How many of you would know it would be nice if we could see some restoration of our nation restored back to original intent? America's drifted a little bit away from the original tent of what we to become as a nation. Restoration and regeneration would be good. It comes from a Hebrew word there that literally means spiritual rebirth, either the state of or the act of. Figuratively, it means spiritual renovation. And messianic restoration or regeneration. And you've heard, if you are a friend of me on Facebook, you've seen that we've, we have lived in our house for 23 years. Since last December we moved in. And uh, over the 23 years, our house has gone through a regeneration. <laughs> Amen. And it no longer looks like that house that we moved into 23 years ago. Uh, Cole and, 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 and them plastered the outside of our The outside has changed and the inside has changed. How many are glad that God renovates your house outside and inside? When you see somebody who accepts the Lord, you literally see the weight of sin lifted off of them and their whole outward countenance changes. 
God brings regeneration to us and renewal to us. And then the Holy Spirit begins to remodel you on the inside. He goes from room to room in your house and begins to do the work of regeneration until you're no longer the same place that He moved into on the day that you said yes to the grace of God. Amen. And so, and, and I like that. And so you've seen, we post some pictures of the little bathroom that we're doing there, our master bathroom and stuff. And it no longer looks anything like it used to. Praise the Lord. We lived with that ugly hole for 23 years. <laughs> Amen. It was so bad. We got down through different times. We were trying to hold on. We'd done through the rest of the house and do another thing. And that little house there, it needed some new flooring there. So I got these plates and peel tiles, you know, little linoleum tiles you put down there. Next thing you know, they, they, they were, the glue was coming off their slip. They were no longer in place. or pe- They are just, it was a mess. Amen. And I think, well, I can't, I'm not going to put, I don't want to put any more money in there because we're going to rip it all out and redo the whole thing. And God bless my wife. Amen. My wife is so patient and loving and enduring and putting up and waiting for that. But now it, it, it's, it's a complete renovation. And that's what I want you to have faith for. You should be expecting in this year in a year of renewal and restoration. It doesn't just have to be this year, but that's been the promise from the beginning. The day you get saved, you should be believing God for renewal and restoration in your life. Could you shout a good amen? God has that for our lives. Hallelujah. And so if you look at the next word for renewal, the Greek word renewal means to bring back to original condition. Man fell from his original place. Jesus came to bring us back to that new place through renovation and renewing. Think about it. That word for renewal there only shows up in two places. There in Titus chapter 3, but also in Romans chapter 12. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now think about that. Going back to the original way God intended you to think. God never meant for you to think by the knowledge of good and evil. He meant for you to be led by the Spirit. Your mind is to be led by the Spirit. You're supposed to have the mind of Christ. The Bible declares that we have received His mind. Can you say amen? And so we're to be led and we're to think like God thinks. Amen. I'll just let that sink in right there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I amen because I never like passing a good place to say, passing up a good place to shout amen. Praise the Lord. And so think about this. Man was created to be with God in fellowship. All of humanity, not just a select few. God bless my Baptist brothers, but I don't believe in divine election. I believe that the whole creation is elected. Amen. And we get to choose. God shares that grace. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm just a whosoever kind of guy. Amen. And whosoever hears and believes can be saved. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do I have any whosoever's in the house? Glory to God. I like that. Praise the Lord. So we were all created, not just a select few, which is why our commission from the Lord is to go into all the world to take the message of the renewal and restoration of relationship with God that God through His Son has made a way and opened the door to all who would enter in. Every promise of God is connected to His promise of renewal and restoration. Every promise manifest his renewal and restoration in our life. See, man was not created to come under his judgment or to experience his wrath 
or to be separated from his presence or to live cut off from his provision and blessing but to be brought into it. We weren't made to be cut off. We were intended to be brought into. Are you listening to me? So important. And that's what God is doing. He's trying to bring us into his promise. Man was created by God for fellowship and relationship with him. And the, and the product of being in his presence and experiencing his goodness would be to worship him. And our worship, that's where it should flow from. Not by some regulation or rule or mandate upon our life, but out of love in response to his love for us. The reason I worship God, I'm overwhelmed by his love for me. Amen. I just keep thinking, God, you're amazing. How can I not praise you? How can I not give you glory with my life? So think about it. Jesus came for a purpose that we, through his sacrifice for us, might be made partakers of this amazing renewal and restoration to God. That's his deal, to God's original intent for our life. Back to relationship and fellowship with Him to once again be alive with the Spirit. The renewing of the Holy Spirit. And, and we're going to get back to our lesson on that. We've been in this little parenthetical uh, space here. But we're going to go back and, and build on what we began at the end of the year. And so we'll pick that up again. But thank God for the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And see, once we have experienced this amazing grace of renewal and restoration, we should all be filled with the passion to see everyone receive what we have received. God's free gift. I shared this with our life group Thursday night, and it was this. We think so many times we are not equipped to share the gospel with somebody else. But if I could just give you, take you back and make you a New Testament believer, in the New Testament, in, in, in the beginning, in the book of Acts, nobody carried Bibles. Nobody had phones. Nobody had any of the resources. And, and, and so what they had is that when they went to church, they listened and they heard the word read. And what they had heard, that's why Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance what to say. He's going to speak. And you're going to remember what you have heard. And David said it like this, your word have I hid in my heart. But the one thing we have to share, there's nothing more powerful than your testimony of the good things that God has done in your life. Amen. There's nothing more powerful than you just, can I just tell you how good God has been to me? Think about the demonic man at the tombs of Gadara. There he is. He's been bound. They've tried to shackle him. He's living naked in the caves in the tomb. Jesus, he has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus sets him free. And I always think about that. I shared it Thursday night. How, what it would have been like to be that guy after renewal and restoration. You want to talk about renewal and restoration? That guy got it. Amen? So here he is, the town comes up, and there he is, sitting in his right mind, dressed and sitting, clothed, the Bible says, and sitting in his right mind, conversing with everybody in, around him, a living illustration of God's renewal and restoration. And then he goes, Jesus, I just want to be with you. And sometimes that's our problem as Christians. We just, I just want to be with the Lord. I just want to be with the Lord. I just want to spend time with Jesus. I just want to spend time. Jesus says, Get, go, 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 go. Go. Get out of here. No. He said, no, you can't come with me. Go home and tell everybody what great things God has done for you. And so without quoting scripture, just think about being that guy. You used to be the demonic guy, and then you show up 
clothes, looking good, and you ask people, hey, whatever happened to that dude that used to live in the tombs? See, me, I'd have started the conversation like that. <laughs> Remember here, wasn't there that guy, that crazy guy that was all demon-possessed, and, and then he was up in those tombs and stuff and doing that? Yeah, I wonder whatever happened to him. What? You're him? Yeah. Let me tell you what happened. Amen. That's what happened to me. I didn't manifest like that, but in high school, I was crazy. I really was. And so now, after all those years, nobody would have ever expected me to ever be a pastor, let alone get saved. We were crazy. We rode go-karts through the hallways of our school for senior skip days. The principal came out and said, hey, you guys need to leave the campus. And we were just whacked out of our heads. Amen. And doing all, I, I, I shouldn't say this, and young people don't follow my example. I was stupid. But I was only straight two days in high school. Our competition was how, how stone can you be and maintain? We, we turned it into a recreational sport. I had a gold medal in the Olympics. <laughs> Amen. Of stupid. Amen. And so uh, nobody would have expected that. So then at my 10-year class reunion, I've gotten saved. I go back, and nobody can believe. Is that really you? That's me. Amen. And so now through the year, I've gotten to minister and witness to some of my high school class friends, and now I'm seeing them coming to the Lord and doing that, and social media has helped with some of that and reconnecting and doing things. Are you listening to me? And so not without ever preaching a word or doing things, but just the renewal and the restoration of God upon your life is a testimony that you have to share with the world. And the Lord commissions you to go and tell the world what great things He has done for you. How many would be willing to do that this year? Make it a year that you'll share the renewal of restoration with God with those you come in contact with. You go, well, I'm afraid to witness. What would I have to say? Tell them the last prayer God answered in your life. You know, I was praying and God came through. God did that. Just brag on God. Amen. Are you doing all right? Hallelujah. So, such a good thing. So, I want to just uh, close before we transition to one more segment here this morning. Because I really want us to catch this, th this vision for this year to see renewal and restoration. So, it's time to take it to the street. It's an assumption in our day that the church... Is, as an institution impacts our society and culture. But nothing in the New Testament or anywhere else in the Bible teaches us, the rea teaches us that. The reality is that the institutional impact of the church in and upon the world is minimal. Put you like this. We have three, over 300,000 evangelical churches in America some of them mega churches of multiple tens of thousands, and our nation is going to hell in a handbasket. So the institution of the church is not having an impact on the culture. That isn't how God ever intended it to happen. The way the church, the question then arises, where is the church between Sundays when the building is empty except for staff? The church is everywhere, scattered like seed and salt, penetrating all of the neighborhoods, organizations, governments, businesses, marketplaces, schools, private venues. It is everywhere. Where you are, the church is. Where you are, the church is. You are the church. And what we need 
to remember is that, wait a minute, God has made us an element of influence. He says you are salt and you are light. How many know light influences darkness and salt influences whatever it comes in contact with? And salt is a preserver. It preserved. Before we had refrigeration, we salted everything. And you tried to keep things fresh by using salt. It preserved and it flavored. The impact of the institutional church is like placing your salt shaker on your food to flavor it, which means nothing happened. Salt must be shaken from its container to make contact with the food, disappearing as it makes contact and penetrates. Why is the underground church so powerful? Because it is invisible. In the 1940s, they kicked missionaries out of China. They kicked all the missionaries out of China. And the statistics were that in China at that time, there were somewhere between 4 to 6 million believers in China. Forty years later, when they reopened the door and allowed missionaries to come back in, the church had grown to over 40 million believers. Because the church had become invisible. And it began to penetrate in the underground. If you go to where Tim and Eve served in, in, in the 1040 window, you'll find that the church mainly is invisible, but it is spreading like wildfire. And it is underground because the church is just out and people are just sharing. And then people are being so transformed by that that they're literally putting their lives on the line to gather together to assemble to worship. They're not wondering, is it going to be warm? Is it going to be raining today? Is the weather okay? Do I want to go? I got up late. I work late. No. Where can I gather and put my life at risk with other believers just to worship God together? Amen. A whole different perspective. Could you say amen? And so when the church becomes invisible, when salt is doing its work, it is invisible. And the only evidence of impact or means to measure its influence is by taste. And I want to share with you this morning, I believe that we can begin to change the flavor of the culture of our nation. Amen. If we'll just allow God to push us out and we'll believe for a year of renewal and restoration. Could you agree with me for that this year? Praise the Lord. Amen. But I want to illustrate this this morning. i got just a couple minutes. And I want to illustrate something to you on how giving works. And let me tell you why God asked us to give. This is what I believe in my heart. One thing giving does is it tells heaven you're coming. Giving tells heaven you're coming. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moss and wrath corrupt and thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So there's a way to have treasure in heaven. And it comes by living a life of obedience and service and giving to the Lord. And every time you act in obedience to God, something is deposited into heaven on your account. You can read it in, Acts, in, in Romans chapter 15. Paul is ending his letter to the Romans. And he's saying, hey, I'm longing to come to you on my way to Spain. I want to pass through Rome. And he says, look what he said. I'm, I'm hoping that you will support me in my journey. And that you will be 
show hospitality to me while I'm there, take care of me while I'm there. So giving supports ministry and, and propels ministry and sustains ministry. But then he says, I also have received this gift that I'm taking to Jerusalem on behalf of the saints. And, and I want to take this and give this gift on behalf of the saints in Macedonia to the needy folks in, in Jerusalem so that I can seal this fruit to their account. So they're giving of support to the need, just like when you gave to the people in the campfire, and we gave that $13,500 to help families that lost out. So if you gave in part of that, your donation caused a fruit to be sealed to your account. When, 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 I, when we took those funds and gave them to the pastor the moment he received it, your gift and, and, and that offering you gave became fruit that was sealed to your account in heaven. And the angels in heaven goes, oh, look, they plan on coming here. They've sent a notice ahead that they're planning on being here. Amen? And then Paul said to the church at Philippi, he says, you have worked with me. And he says, I'm not trying to get a gift to you, but I'm longing for this fruit to be sealed to your account. So every time you give, you're telling heaven, I am sealing your account. And so this is how a little illustration to show you how God works in our life in the area of giving. And so, Pastor Tim, I'll ask you to come be the Holy Ghost and just stand by me this morning. And so, I need you to hold this. Amen. Now, these are the blessings of God. And I thought, what better way to illustrate blessings than cookies? Amen. Because cookies are like money. We love to consume both. Amen. All right, so we'll illustrate it like this. Okay, Tony, come on up here, sir. All right. So Tony worked real hard all week, and he got paid. Tony, here are ten cookies. All right, this is your plate, and this is God's plate. Now, what are you going to do? Well, see, now you're just being holy. <laughs> God did not ask for a hundred percent. God, no, this is your plate. And this is God's plan. So God says, honor the Lord with the tithe. Tithe means 10%. This is just an opener. Okay. There you go. There you go. So tithe means 10%. So there's 10 cookies in there. There's 10 cookies, Tony. No, 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 no. Look, I want you to be honest. Are you a 50% giver? You give half your income away. I know we're talking about cookies, but this is the, we're talking about tithing right now, okay? Okay, so you give 30% of your income away. Now, is this faith or reality? Okay. All right, there you go. Okay, so now what? You now have, okay, so you get, but let's just start with the tithe, okay? God says. All right, I, we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. Okay, so God said, Tony. <laughs> Can I get somebody that's more cooperative to work with here? <laughs> anyway. Go ahead. I said, Tony, here's your tithe. Okay. So you now have nine and God has what? One. one. Okay. And he said, Tony, I asked you for one of the ten and you can do anything you want with this. Right? Okay. And so he said, Tony, you're awesome. I'm going to bless you in another me. So now here's ten more cookies. Okay. 
So, now, now remember, now remember, we're talking about tithing, okay? Tithing, okay? So we're tithing. So there's ten Oreos. And so you're a tither, okay? So give God a tithe, okay? Okay, a tithe means ten. It doesn't mean twenty. Tithe means Huh? Okay. Stay, stay with me with 10. Okay. Does anybody else want to work up here? Amen. Okay. So now, so now, watch. <laughs> okay. So now, you have 18 cookies and God has two. Okay, now. Let's say Tony goes, hey, I would really like to eat a cookie. Okay. So come over here to God's plate and pick a cookie. Would you, okay, Laura, would you come up here and work with me, please? This is not mine. This is an illustration. Okay. We're trying to help other people here. Okay. Okay. So now have a cookie. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're not going to get in trouble. Okay. So now, so now, Tony, <laughs> who started tithing, God only asked for one of his ten. All right? And so he has 18. But when it comes to something, to a desire that he has in his life, instead of eating one of his 18, he decides to eat one of God's. Are you with me? And when we don't tithe, that's what we're saying. God goes, wait a minute, you had 18. Yeah, but I've already planned how to use these. And so this is what he does. He goes, you know what? I needed some new clothes. So I went to the mall and I gave the mall two of my cookies. And then I needed a new car. So I went to the car dealership and I gave them five of my cookies. And then I needed... A recreation vacation. So I went and I spent two of my cookies on vacation. And then I decided I needed just to have fun. And then I decided that I really like Starbucks. And I can't make it through a day without coffee. Okay? And so now Tony's down and he's looking at his plate. He's going, man... I don't have much, and I still have a mortgage, and I still have all these other needs. I have kids, I have school, I have everything else, and God has a cookie on his plate. And so what we do, and say, well, God, maybe I'll just give you a portion. <laughs> give this part of myself. I meant to give 10, and one of these days I'll give 10, but right now, are you listening to me? So what we start doing then is we start giving God, instead of cookies, we give God pieces. I put $20 a week in the offering. I put a dollar in every week. I do this every now and then. I give a piece. And then God says, but I really want to bless you. Because the Bible says, if I'm faithful over little, he will make me ruler over much. 
And God is wanting to pour out an abundant blessing on your life. But He proves us at the beginning. And here's the hard part that we think. People say, well, if I give like that, I could give one of ten. But what if God gave me a hundred? That means He would get ten. And I would only have ninety! Surely he doesn't need 10 and mean for me to only have 90. But listen what Paul says. Everything that God does with ministry comes through your giving. And when I do a giving report like that, it shows you just what it costs to do ministry. And if we could just trust God, then God says this would you. If you will honor me, then I will pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain and I don't know about you I have a lot more fun trying to count out the tithe out of this than just to figure out a little bit and so then out of this you can begin to give abundantly and above all you ever thought was possible and you multiply your giving because you know God will always meet your need Amen? And then I begin to give here. And you can just continue to give. And you feel God leading on your heart. Tony can, yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, Tony and Laura, they are. They are super generous people. They've been our friends for over 20-some years. And they're all, no matter what they need, they are super generous. And because of that, they are super blessed. Are you listening to me? Amen. Thank you, Tony. You're awesome. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. But this is the part that I like. This tells heaven I'm coming. I want heaven to know I'm on my way. Amen? That they're making arrangement. They're expecting me to show up. Some of us are going to get saved. And they said, oh, sorry, we weren't ready for you. You never told us you were coming. Nothing ever arrived in advance. We have nothing on your account. Amen? And so I think about that way, that my giving causes God to move my life. Would you stand with me this morning? Bill, if you just come real quickly to the keyboard. Does that help you just a little bit? Amen. I always think about it like this. He gave me, out of ten cookies, I get nine. It's no biggie for me to share with God. I still get to eat nine. And he said, those are your nine. You can do anything you want with them. But let me, let me put you like this. I get excited when we're able to give to missions and give chunks of money to help missionaries. Give big offerings to help people. To make that give in a way that makes a difference. It, it, it's nice to give a couple dollars to support somebody, to have 50 missionaries on the wall that we support for $25 a month. Or to have a few missionaries on the wall that we support for maybe hundreds of dollars a month or maybe a thousand dollars. How many know that's better? Amen, you make a difference. I'll never forget what Willie George said one time. He says, why church is good to be larger because through it, a larger church can do more when it comes to giving. As we grow, we can do more. Sometimes you might be able to buy a tank of gas for a missionary. The other next time you might be able to buy the car for them to drive. Amen? 
or facilitate them. And so we, we bought some desks for a school in Liberia. We bought 300 desks for a school in Liberia, 350 desks. I would like to build the next school. Amen. It was cool to buy the desk. How much more cool would it be to build the school, to build the orphanage, to do things to help like that? Are you listening to me? And so just say, God. And then every time we give towards that, it tells heaven we're coming. It makes arrangement. How many would like to see some renewal and restoration in your finances? Say, God, I want to see the renewal and restoration of my finances. Everything God asks of us is through giving. You give him your life, he gives you his life. That's why, and Sean preached on it, we give away. Whoever's going to lose his life will find it. Whoever tries to save his life loses it. And this is what happens. If I'm not a tither, I always get to the end of the month, and I just don't have much left over, and I'm frustrated, and I have anxiety in my finances. But God makes sure that there's always more than enough in our finances. But it takes that discipline to organize and to structure my life and my giving in a way that I honor God. Bow your heads with me this morning. Let's just do this. If you're here this morning and you need and you're going to believe this year for renewal and restoration, then I'm just going to ask you to step out and move right up here so I can just pray a prayer over everybody that's believing for that. It could be in your family. It could be in your health. God's promise for renewal and restoration covers our family. It covers our health. It covers every prayer request on this wall. So anything you're believing to see the renewal, it's the promise of God by the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. God has promised us renewal and restoration. And I am believing for it. I'm declaring it. Even when we talk about grace. Grace is unmerited favor. And I'm praying and declaring God's grace. His favor over your life. It is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. I'm declaring for you to walk in the undeserved favor. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But God pours His favor out upon us in renewal and restoration. So, Father, today I'm praying over your people. Lord, I thank you, Father, that, that there's a liberty coming to them in believing you and trusting you in the area of their finances and what you want to do in their life. But, Father, also in how you want to use them in service in other areas. Father, I believe this is a year to see renewal and restoration on every area and on every level of our life. So, Father, I pray your blessing over your people. I declare faith to rise up from the inside out out inside of them that father as they spend time reading your word and in prayer and fellowship with you it begins to stir on the inside of them I am going to receive renewal and restoration in my marriage in my health in my family being saved in my finances in my relationship I'm believing for renewal and restoration in this year to see the promise of your word fulfilled in my life in my family in my friends in our church Father, in Jesus' name, I pray your blessing over them and declare it, be it unto you, in Jesus' name. Somebody said, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a great praise. Amen.